it is an odd time. Not only do we have a worldwide epidemic, but now we have free autonomous zones, uh, a growing national sense of racism that seems insurmountable, uh, police being defunded, and all this is on top of the nightly news that we already get. Uh, and that's just what we know of. That's just what we hear of. That's what is on the news for us to hear about. Uh, we should not be surprised. Sin is never surprising. There is far greater darkness in the hearts of sinners than we will ever truly know, even our own heart. But maybe this time has led you to feel hopeless about what is to come. Maybe it feels uh, just overwhelmingly scary. Believer, you need not despair. Romans 8, verse 38 says, For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so it might be scary. You might become ill. You might lose friends or family. As a nation, America might fall. Christians might be ostracized instead of just looked at as odd. Uh, you might have the worst life you've ever imagined. But in Christ, you are utterly safe. As long as we've got good news, which we do, then we're going to be all right. Now, uh, before we do read 1 John, we have to cover a little bit of the context because, remember, we can make the Bible say a whole lot of what the Bible never says by taking it out of context. Uh, so what is ours? The book of 1 John is a letter written to churches sometime between the year 85 and 95 AD. Uh, John was a fisherman who ended up being called the disciple that Jesus loved. And after Jesus ascended into heaven on a cloud, uh, John planted a church in Ephesus where he's actually writing this letter from. Uh, why is he writing? Two main reasons. The first is to call out the false doctrine that's ravaging the churches in Asia Minor where he's at uh, called Gnosticism. Uh, it taught that the human body was evil and that spirit was good. And so salvation was to escape from the body to become a spirit. And this was achieved not by faith in Christ, but by knowledge. If you can gain enough special knowledge, if you can have enough knowledge, then you will be saved. And so John is writing to call this out as false and call those who teach it false. But he's also writing to build up those who trust and believe the true gospel for salvation. If they have trusted Christ for eternal life and now they're hearing about this new doctrine, uh, they're going to need to be reassured that the gospel is still the gospel that the Christ of scriptures alone is sufficient to save, and he still is. And so he's writing to call out, number one, and then to build up. And in this, he is pointed to the truth of the gospel, that Christ is light and love, and that saints are sinners until glory. There is no escaping that. That darkness, though one day will fully be defeated, it still reigns on the earth. There's a battle between truth and falsehood raging in the world and in hearts. And so John constantly pulls down this facade of this darkness so that those in the light might see it and be assured in the true gospel. And so with, uh, as we see this text in context, uh, may our hearts be assured in the same way. If we, we will start in chapter 4, verse 1, and read all the way to verse 6. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. 
By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you now as uh, not amazing, not awesome, uh, not worthy servants, but unworthy servants. Uh, We are small. We are uh, insignificant in the light of all that you have created. We are but a breath. And not only are we but a breath, but we are a sinful breath. God, we have nothing to bring to the table for you to say, you are a worthy child of mine. And so we pray in the only way that we can, Father, in the name of Jesus. We ask that you would hear our prayer uh, on the basis of his righteousness and not ours because we have none to bring. And Father, in that, uh, we ask that you would open our hearts and open our minds to what you have for us in your word uh, so that not only can we hear it, not only can we uh, maybe even know it, but that it would change us. It is the nature of your word to change us, and so we ask for it. We ask that you would remove every distraction from us so that we might hear from you well and so that we might see a better picture of who you are, that we might say, I believe, help my unbelief. And so, Father, uh, if there is anything that I say that is uh, contrary to what you have for us, I pray that you would help us to all forget it. And if there is anything that any of us think that is contrary to you, that is uh, against what you have for us, God, I pray that you would help us to, uh, would you remove it from us? Help us to see only you in this time. Build us up in your word. And it's in Jesus' name, again, the only way that we pray. Amen. There are an endless amount of people who claim to speak in the Spirit of God, and a good majority of them are not to be trusted. They are leading poor souls to destruction in Jesus' name, and because of this fact, a responsibility of the Christian is to test or discern. And verse 1 is our basis for, uh, for where we see this. It says, Beloved, do not believe, do not trust every spirit or every voice that claims to speak by the Spirit, but test the spirits, to see whether they are from God. This testing or or discernment is seen all throughout Scripture as a practice for believers. Jeremiah 29, verse 8 says, Do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you, and do not listen to the dreams that they dream, for it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them. Uh, So we see just in that verse that uh, you can claim to speak in the name of God, and you can be wrong. God did not send you. Uh, The second one, 1 Thessalonians 5. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing 
you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. There are many who claim to speak in the Spirit of God but are tickling ears unto death. They're vying for our attention and our hearts, but believer, do not believe them all. Test them. Discern them. Why? Think of it this way. If I believe something to be true of Leah that's wrong, she's not that way, she's never been that way, but I heard it from some person that she is this way, who's right? Leah or me? Leah. And so how can I really say that I love Leah if I believe wrongly about who she is? And so it is with God. If we trust everything that every person who claims to speak in the spirit of God says, we will believe something about God that is not true. And secondly, uh, there's a wonderful benefit to knowing God, to knowing how the Holy Spirit functions and knowing how the Holy Spirit does not function. Being able to see that distinction, we can take great comfort and be immensely helped by the true Spirit. And we can only see either of these through discernment, through testing. And so the question becomes, how? How do we do this? John, through the Holy Spirit, gives us two questions to be able to test. Who do they confess and who listens to them? Who do they confess and who listens to them? By walking through these, our prayer uh, is that we will discern what is right, what is true, what is honorable, what is worth living for, what is worth dying for. Do not believe every spirit, but test them to see whether they are from God. So the first question, who do they confess? Look at verse 2. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. So let's start there. Uh, Don't Satan and his demons call Jesus the Holy One of God? Isn't that a confession? Couldn't a person just confess that and then live live however they want to live? Uh, Absolutely not. Although certain people will take this verse and and believe it that way and teach it that way. Uh, Remember, We can make Scripture say a whole lot of what Scripture never says by taking it out of context. So, what what is the context of Scripture to this? If you look at 1 Corinthians 12, verse 3, it says, Therefore, I want you to understand that no no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one speaking in the Spirit of God, sorry, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. So, Jesus is Lord is... It's catching on to something there. And then Romans 10, 8 and 11. The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. To confess Christ is to confess all of Christ. And to confess all of Christ means to confess him as Lord over me. If he is Lord of all, then he is Lord of all of me. And so to confess him is to say, Jesus calls the shots. Uh, He tells me how I should think about myself and about the world, not my government, not what people think about me, not even what I think about me or any issue. Jesus is the one who has all authority in heaven and on earth, not me. And so I live to serve this master. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses in this kind of way that Jesus has come in the flesh and has held to all that that confession means. But the passage keeps going. Look at verse 3. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus 
is not from God. Uh, and so there is verifiable proof to whether or not someone who claims to speak in the Spirit of God is actually doing so, uh, and it's their lives. Since a confession is not speech, but full, lifelong, continual submission to a king, we will see it. If they preach the gospel profoundly, but are unrepentant in their gluttony, uh, if they're teaching someone about Christ, but have unrepentant anger, if they have a huge following, even a huge Christian following, but are unrepentant in pride and selfishness, they're not to be trusted. Because if Christ was their confession, then they would live to his call to submit to submit to repentance, to submit to obedience. Of course, they won't be perfect. Of course, they're going to say and do something wrong, but do they know that about themselves? Are they humble in repentance? You might not ever see them say it out loud, but you will see it in their humility if they are submitting to a Lord. Whether they are a pastor or an evangelist or a friend or a family member, do you see this humility? Do you see this repentance? Do they actually know Christ? Are they dominated and mastered by him? Do they love and care for the gospel? Just because they hold the title of pastor or they went to seminary or they call themselves a Christian, even if they do many mighty works in the name of Christ, it doesn't mean they know him or they love him. Verse 5 says, They, these false prophets, these false teachers, are from the world. And so their teaching, their life is going to reflect that. Paul warned the Colossian church uh, to avoid doctrine, to test, to discern doctrine that is according to human precepts and teachings. Uh, what that does not mean is that we cannot learn any wisdom, uh, it, say like how to do a push-up. The Bible won't tell you how to do that. It's not to say that we can't learn wisdom. It is for those speaking in the spirit of God. And then he told Timothy that some would depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. The question is, how do we know? Some are kind of easy. Uh, the prosperity gospel, the word of faith movement, Mormonism, and so on. But, uh, man, even Mr. Osteen can say some things sometimes that are biblical, and that's the issue. It's almost like his Bible serves as the Trojan horse for his bad theology. And it's like, oh, man, it makes it in because, look, it's a pastor. He's got a Bible. All right. And so they're trusted, but it's a front. The men and women in this camp are high alert. You can, you can hear it and you can see it in their lives, uh, while others, maybe they're on medium alert. Uh, and then even the most beloved man of God should be on some kind of alert in us. Because there are moments and seasons of blindness in every sinner. Even the most humble and repentant person you know. So there's different kinds of alertness that we have to have. Uh, some of them don't trust anything. And then others, well, let me take it to Scripture and see. And so what do we do? How, do we, how are we helped? We lean on the Holy Spirit to provide us with wisdom. We're listening. When we are listening to someone who claims to speak in the Spirit and we think, we have the thought, yeah, something about that doesn't sound right. Uh, I would submit to you that that's the Holy Spirit. Uh, take that to your Scripture and evaluate it. See Maybe you were wrong, but uh, maybe the Holy Spirit was leading you even just to your Bible to see like, okay, that's why they were wrong here. Examine the scriptures. Take up watch. 
Listen carefully to see what we are taking in from consistently unrepentant people. There are many people who claim to speak in the Spirit of God who are leading people astray. So Christians, believers, do not believe every spirit, but test them to see who they confess. And then the second thing, who listens to them? Verse 5, they are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. Uh, Here's what this means. A worldly message will have a worldly response and adherence. And on the flip, a godly message will have a godly response and adherence. So who listens to this message? Or this author? Or this musician? Or pastor? Or speaker? Whoever it is that claims to speak in the Spirit is there's a world-dominated audience, or is it a redeemed audience? This will help us to test the theology. As nitpicky as it might seem, uh, they might be teaching something wrong. For instance, there's a book going around Christian circles entitled Girl, Wash Your Face uh, by a girl named Rachel Hollis. It's not a Christian book, although it is uh, claimed to be. Uh, simply based on the content that dominates the pages. But there was this overwhelming response from non-Christian and nominal believers who loved it. I had a neighbor who is not a Christian suggest the book to me uh, since I was a pastor. And I was like, what? Girl, wash your face? Okay, sure. Um, But herein lies the issue. There's probably something wrong if the world affirms the message because the world rejects Christ. The world doesn't want to hear that they are in sin and need to repent. They want to hear how they can make themselves better by washing their own faces without having a true Lord. They want salvation, but not at a cost. The best way I can put it is this. The sheep know the shepherd's voice. And they can tell if someone is leading them astray. They might not be on high alert or any alertness at all, and they might believe for a time, and they might walk with them and and be uh, led astray. But the good shepherd is going to call you back. We serve a good shepherd. He will call us back. He will come and find us if we've gone too far. Not a thing in the world can separate us from Christ. And so believers, we test, we discern, but at the same time we know, all right, even if I missed it, if I fell into this camp, uh, my God is going to call me back. And so, a message or song or book that confesses Christ truly will never be popular in the world, and it shouldn't. And a Christian message or song or book that doesn't confess Christ should never be popular in the kingdom, and yet, man, it happens constantly. So we test it. Why? Because there are many who claim to speak in the Spirit of God who attempt to lead us, lead us astray. So Christians, do not believe every spirit, but test them to see who they confess and who listens to them. Uh, Now, we see this helpfulness in the text, but let's return to why. Why is this work so important for a believer? Why uh, Why are there multiple scriptures leading us to test and to listen and to discern what we hear? Uh, Because there is rest and there is hope and there is joy and peace for those who discern and test because they find the true help. They find the true helper, capital H. 
This is not a work to begrudgingly commit ourselves to, but a hard work to divide rightly what we hear and examine rightly that we might behold our God through the power of the true spirit. And we will need to work, uh, we need this work daily simply because of our sinfulness. You and I can be and will be deceived. And we will teach and believe wrong things about God. And so what do we do at those moments? What do we do if we taught in the name of Jesus a false doctrine, whether recently or in our past somewhere, by the power of the Spirit, believe the gospel again. Repent, seek truth, hold fast to it by faith, and then get right back up in the power that the Spirit gives and keep going. If you can, reach out to those you taught and and seek forgiveness. It will be a wonderful thing for them to see the humility of Christ in you there. But that only comes as we are reminded of our forgiveness in Christ. We can't be paralyzed by guilt and shame and reject our ministry and calling. We have to know that uh, we are called here as ambassadors and yet we are still sinful. And because we are sinful does not negate the fact that we are ambassadors. We still have to work. We think too highly of ourselves to think that God cannot use us because we are flawed, because we are sinful. That's the only kind of person God uses. So get over it. Get back up by his might and get back in the Bible. Be faithful to your ministry and to your calling. And what if if I've believed wrongly about God? What if there's something that, man, when I heard the truth about it, it broke my heart. What if I've believed something wrongly about God? I rejected the, the Bible's teaching on what this says. We trust in Christ by the good news of the gospel and we get over it. We repent of our false belief. We seek the truth. We hold fast to it by faith. We pray, I believe. Father, help my unbelief. And then we get right back up and we keep going. It is a lie to believe that we will never be deceived or that we should never be deceived now that we're believers. To believe is to believe continually. And sinful humans, we fail daily at that. That's why we need a daily dose of the gospel. We don't need to be perfect. We need to see that Jesus was perfect and rest there. How those two are reconciled, the fact that we are ambassadors and that we still have sin, the gospel brings those together. It says, you are this, but you are this. Rest here in my work. This is the hope that infuses our daily lives. No matter what happens to me, no matter what uh, falseness my heart desires, no matter what uh, sins I've fallen prey to again, The gospel is always good news. That though I was an enemy of God, he relented his anger and his wrath toward me to place it onto his perfect son. Though I am completely undeserving of any love or any indwelling spirit, God has given me the gift of faith by his grace. And this spirit now becomes mine in Jesus. That though if I were my father, I would have long ago rejected my rebellious son. His mercy and his grace for me are not based on me, but based on the son I now bear the name of. That Jesus lived, bled, died, and was resurrected in the place of ungodly sinners who trust in his work for their eternities. Just like John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one, not even themselves, will snatch them out of my hand. The good news is always good news, but it is only good news to those who need good 
news. We must be gospel people who love and care for and strive to find the gospel daily, minutely, because in it we see our hope and we're reminded of our true identity in Christ that no matter what, God's salvation to me cannot be undone by anything. Even when we are wave-tossed and lost at sea, Jesus remains the captain of the ship and the commander of the storm. This is the hope that what we see in verse 4, if you look at verse 4, little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Praise God. There are many false prophets who are tossing wave after wave of doctrine at us, some in the name of Jesus, some who claim to speak in the Spirit of God. But believer, you have a sure and steadfast anchor of your soul in Christ. You will not be shaken. Your good shepherd will hunt you down, and he will take care of your greatest enemy and threat, just as he has taken care of your greatest enemy and threat already. And so do not believe every spirit. You don't need but the one. Test them to see who they confess. Test them to see who listens to them. And over and above it all, trust. Have faith. Know that you are from God in Christ and that he is greater than anything. And that the spirit who dwells in you will help you and remind you of all that Christ has done. And so our call uh, in reading this is to test and uh, to discern, but also to believe. Let us trust in our Savior, whether for the first time or the thousandth time, yet again. Uh, I'd like to end this with a passage to reflect on. In lieu of the Lord's Supper, uh, we will spend time thinking and considering this Christ. And so, uh, as best as you can, with children in hand, uh, please know that even in this time, if there are sounds, it is totally fine. It's totally normal. Um, but sit with these verses, and then after a few minutes, we will pray together to dismiss. They will be up on the screen, but I'll read them, and then we'll spend a few moments together. If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness... That man is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy and quarrels about words which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, and constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. But as for you, O man, O woman of God, Flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses.